Hello again, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is the show where two nerds sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. And my name is Caitlin McKinnon. Episode six, Caitlin. It is episode six. See, I did that thing again that I said I wasn't going to do. But it's good for the people in case they're keeping track. There are many ways where you can listen to this show. Uh, two of the easiest is either on SoundCloud, where the show lives at soundcloud.com slash geekdownpod. Every episode goes online there. And if you follow us, you will get a notification every time a new episode goes up, as well iTunes. You can just search for us in the search bar and subscribe to us on there. And that is all you have to do. New episodes will download to your device immediately. That is... Sounds really easy. So easy. And you don't even have to really use iTunes. It was pointed out to us on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash geekdownpod. Which please, we'll ta- please leave a message. We'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that in a moment. Any app you use that accesses the iTunes uh, podcast directory, you can use that. If you're on Android, you can use Google Podcasts, you can use Google Play, you can use any of those services to subscribe to Geek Down and new episodes will be delivered directly to your device, piping hot, fresh, as soon as they are available online. We have a Tumblr page, which is geekdownpod.tumblr.com. New episodes get posted there as well, as well as uh, little comments or corrections that occur to me as I'm posting them. We have a Twitter page, which is at geekdownpod, and we also have a Facebook group. We do. Facebook.com slash geekdownpod. Do you want to make Caitlin McKinnon happy? You, you probably do. You should. She's delightful. And brings joy to your life every week. And do you know what she wants more than anything? I just want someone to comment on the Facebook group. She wants a little interaction on the Facebook group. I don't have that many friends. And I moved to Hamilton. Oh my god. (laughs) So (laughs) please comment on the Facebook page. I will happily comment back. She will. If if Caitlin is the enigma wrapped in a mystery box that you were like, where did she come from? What are what are her motivations? What did she-, she burst out of a fairy crystal fully formed, or some sort of pod or tube? That that's frankly how I met her, but we'll talk about that another day. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I just love this idea of you meeting me as I'm like busting. Out of some sort of superman. I was at some pod facility apparently when you were there, and I just you know wiped the condensation down from your pod, and you were in there with tubes coming out of your face. Yeah, the usual. Yeah, the usual. Please get involved on the Facebook page. Um, It would make me very happy. It would, and you know you don't have to dedicate your life to it. Don't have to make it a second job. Just you know say hey. Yeah. We just want we just want to get to know you, friends. Exactly. We just want to get a better sense of who you are. And, you know... So we can collect your demographic data and present it to advertisers as a way to get money. (laughs) Well, I I, I actually just want to have a conversation (laughs) with some people. Our listeners seem pretty cool. Caitlin will have a genuine conversation with you as I, you know, toggle your age, gender, and, uh, you know, income bracket. (laughs) Oh, dear. We gotta sell some ads, people, and we'll get to that why later. (laughs) Um, I am so tired again because... People want me to leave the house and take me out to things, so I got dragged. Not dragged. I agreed to go willingly. Oh, yeah. This is um, going to be great. <laughs> I went to uh, Toronto's Bloor Cinema to see not just Jim Henson's Labyrinth, mm-hmm. the uh, quote-along version of Labyrinth, which I did not even know was a thing that you could do with it is. Jim Henson's Labyrinth. Of course it is. Now, let me ask you this, because uh, the person I was with does listen to the podcast. And, oh, fantastic. And said to me, 
does does Caitlin like Labyrinth? And I said, you know, it's never come up, but if I was going to play the over under over under on this, let me think. It uh it's a fantasy movie. Yeah. It's very British. Yeah. It has puppets. Yes. Um we've never uh you've never been on the record with your position on puppetry, pro or against, but uh, I'm going to assume pro. Yeah. So I'm thinking, Caitlin McKinnon, you're probably real into Labyrinth. So, you know, when they do diagrams of people's brains <laughs> mm-hmm. and they're like, this section's food and this section, you know, is is sleep and, and this is how much, you know, this section is TV and this is knitting and this is cats and whatever. So there's a large section devoted to labyrinth specifically <laughs> labyrinth um and also spreads out from there to brian frude who is one of my favorite artists of all time sure he you have no idea who i'm talking about nope um brian frude did all the basically design work for labyrinth okay. he was the major he worked with um jim henson on labyrinth on the dark crystal on a couple other things as well he does uh fairy books probably the most famous fairy books uh around and of course i own them i own all of <laughs> that's them a, that's a real niche uh <laughs> niche accolade what all the best fairy the best known the best fairy books yeah it's not it's not obscure okay there, lots of people like fairies okay um especially me from the ages of like two and a half to now <laughs> so there's only basically a year and a half where i wasn't into fairies so then let me tell you some of the interactive elements that were at play at the quote along version of of labyrinth okay because um, I really think possibly you should have gone to this instead of me. I had a good time. I enjoyed it. Oh, good. Oh, Not going to lie, my first time seeing the movie beginning to end. What? What? Yeah, just a lot of people oh, in the house uh, has their first time seeing it. And a lot of people... Definitely not their first time seeing it. A lot yes. Of, uh, well, yeah, the quote couple, There were a couple cosplayers. Um, there were. Did they cosplay as... Sarah. Oh. <laughs> You're like, oh, that's like... Well, you forgot to mention one of the major... The host, the host was done up as Jared. Jared. Okay, good. I was going to say, one of the major things you missed when you listed off things is you didn't mention, of course, David Bowie. Yes, David which Bowie. Which is a major draw. And I think that's part of the reason why uh, my companion for the evening was interested to go, because it was like, a, you know way to continue to pay tribute to David Boy. the loss of the star man. So yes, the, the host for the evening who also offered commentary as we were, as we were <laughs> watching the movie was done up like the goblin King. So things we were asked to do throughout the evening, uh, we were given a bag when we went in Yeah, that had, uh, various quotes from the movie. Right. Written Quotations. On it. Um, <laughs> you can tell she was my editor once. Um, <laughs> mine had smell bad. Okay. Written on it. Yeah. Um, my uh, my friends had something about some reference to Ambrosius, the dog Steed or something. Yep, yep. And inside was uh, a, a cookie just for us. Oh. Free, free cookies with the movie. Amazing. Um, as well as a balloon, which we were to uh, blow up. It was a tiny balloon, and that was our crystal ball. So every time the crystal <laughs> ball came up, right. we were to wave it around. And at one point during like the masquerade ball scene, uh, it was just like people were throwing them all over the place. It was kind of awesome. That's fantastic. Um, as well... Uh, little like ping pong balls that look like eyeballs. Okay. So when those pink horrors in the swamp <laughs> yeah. show up and start ripping out their own eyeballs, yep. those were for like batting around and whatnot. Fantastic. Uh, we were also asked to count the Tobies. Okay. Every time Jennifer Connelly 
<laughs> says Toby. Says Toby. We were supposed to yell out what number we were at. I think we yeah. got to 12. Fantastic. We were supposed to roar every time Ludo summoned the rocks. Ludo. Uh, we were supposed to hoot and holler every time Bowie's bulge made an appearance. <laughs> Which was a very often for, especially for a children's for a movie. 1986 children's <laughs> movie. There's a lot of banana hammock hanging there <laughs> in swinging around yeah and they focus on it a lot boy do they <laughs> like specifically and with great detail and for a lengthy amount of time a lot of wang in that yeah. movie and there was something else but i don't remember those were the big ones uh the the crystal balls hooting for bowie and counting the tobies and also I, yelling out there there are a bunch of bowie faces hidden throughout the uh yeah throughout the movie so people were spotting those yeah i'm, I'm well. glad you had a good time listen i've been to the blur for a few of these things one of the best moments i've ever had since i've come to toronto they did a um a purple rain screening there. oh really where they handed out like and first of all you can drink in the theater which yes. is uh, awesome for one and they were handing out glow sticks obviously purple glow sticks mm -hmm. and at the end of purple rain an entire crowd full of people swinging glow sticks like singing along to like the climactic performance of purple rain yeah it was like goosebump shit like the blur always puts on like sometimes they're few and far between and you have to wait for them but they're always usually worthwhile checking yeah. out went to a kegger for day may 2-4 where they're showing dazed and confused and great so yeah Roy cochrane <laughs> What? Also known as... The only person <laughs> in the world who's going to shout out Rory Cochran. Uh, uh, he was... Okay. Oh God, I adore you. He was in CSI Miami, and I went through a big CSI phase. And even more importantly, and this is for a couple people out there, and they will feel this the way I will, he was, one, he was Lucas in Empire Records, which is one of the greatest films ever. I have never wanted to open hand slap a character <laughs> in my life more than I have wanted to open hand slap Lucas and Empire Records. Really? Andy Garcia should have beaten the shit out of Lucas 10 minutes into the movie and then thrown him in a dumpster and left him to rot. I... Granted, it would have been a much shorter movie. I actually really like their relationship and the character development <sighs> in that movie and i love lucas girls who were in high school during the 90s i wasn't in high school during the 90s by that point that was like when did empire records come out? uh 1995 i think wow you summoned that real quick <laughs> i've seen that movie more times than i have seen any other movie and i have seen i have seen certain movies very frequently so I'm actually not, I'm kind of embarrassed how many times. I think I've seen Empire Records probably around 50 times. That's shameful. Yeah, that's why I didn't bring it up before. I might get you to cut this. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to cut. Wow, 1995. You knew that yep. immediately. Yep. So yeah, I had just left high school uh, by that point. And I was still in elementary. Wow. I'm still so young compared to you. Shut up. 30, You're so old. 30 year old. Um, I'm not 30 yet. It's coming. It's coming for you. Yeah, that'd be, I'm, I'm excited about my 30s. <laughs> my life's finally going to come together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as soon as mine does. Oh, no. So that was my social excitement for the week. How are you? Uh. <laughs> you should see the look on his face. I do this every week. I don't have anything exciting. No one pays me to write things about other things. So I don't have anything exciting there. I don't get asked out to go see Labyrinth sing along or whatever. Um, I. How was role playing? Oh, role playing was good. Thanks. How was the how's the campaign going? 
Um, which one? The D and D campaign or the Sunday campaign? The one you leave. The one you leave here to go. Um, Sunday campaign's going really well. Uh, we're on our last story arc of the game and then we'll move on to a different game this is a group that we don't stay a lot of D campaigns will stay on one D campaign for a very very long time mm-hmm. um but this group we actually change it up so i get to experience a whole bunch of different types of role-playing games not and just D. you take your character with you or what do you mean oh no 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 we, we completely new characters mm-hmm. completely new um what they called like game mechanics types of games so i'm excited about the next game but i also really like this one um it's always interesting when you're trying to figure out your character um where it's gonna go and we've all sort of in that good comfortable place where we've been playing our characters for a while and it's a lot of fun so it'll be sad but it'll also be exciting to move on and how long have you been with this um i think it's been a i think we started in spring last spring last year yeah that's all long ago damn yeah. Um, well, it depends. It totally depends. We do a lot of one shots as well, which is just the one, the one day mm-hmm. uh, for a couple hours. You sort of you play a game, you see how it goes. That it can be a lot of fun because you can be a little bit more reckless with your character. Uh, you don't really care if you go, you know, blazing through um, on fire somewhere, or you know, um, whether you you risk yourself in a battle, and you know, it's. It, does you don't have the same sort of con- consequences but most games yeah a lot of D games though will run for years yeah i know i know that i know that much at least yeah not something i'm, I'm fascinated to hear you talk about it because it's still not something i've ever really really done i've yeah. been i've been a like video rpger but never it's a lot of fun and it's definitely again not for everyone but i i don't think until you start playing you can really understand um so you will never understand it <laughs> uh but the, okay. the closest thing I ever came to was uh, there was a series of books that like, this again, going back to when I was ranting about that thing Patton Oswalt wrote about once, which by the way, correction, was called Edowoff, Everything That Ever Was Available Forever. I totally butchered the uh, the acronym when I first brought it up. The idea that like you had to make do with the things you could find. I don't know where these like three British role-playing novels showed up from, came from <laughs> and ended up in my house. They were called Lone Wolf. Okay. Um, it was basically like there was like a number table at the back and you would like close. You didn't have dice, right? You would just like close your eyes and tap a random spot with a pencil. And like that would be your and you figured out your stats and kept track of all this stuff. But it was for like one person because I was only child. George, you know, <laughs> in the back with this little this little book. It's like, ooh, I'm fighting a wolf. Go to the back and tap my number and write down what I did. I'm having so much fun. So I do, I do have some not very related experience to the world of actual pen and paper. Well, having a having a, a game master, a GM, or you know, a dungeon master, which they they are still called, but I always prefer GM, um, sort of totally changes things uh, because every campaign it's not just different by the type of game you're playing and the setting, but also the GM's uh, like personality and the yeah. way they run the game uh, is different from GM to GM. So. Yeah, maybe one day we'll we'll get you to play something. Maybe on a very special episode, a future episode of Geek Down, we'll uh, we'll explore. Jordan will explore uh, tabletop gaming. Yeah, it would be amazing. Uh, I'm sure it would be. On to news of the week. Yes, Caitlin, um, what do you got? I actually have it, it. Kind of personal news. Personal news. Uh, yeah i I watched. 
Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny. Yes, you mentioned this a few weeks ago that you were you were soup's hap that it was, <laughs> I it was, was going to be debuting. I am no longer soup's hap. No, no. <laughs> you're the opposite, the opposite of soup's hap. Uh, soup's hat is um, the opposite of soup's hap mm-hmm. in this case is Mage Disp, <laughs> um, which is now forever going to be uh, the way you say majorly disappointed on this podcast so that that is what the new crouching tiger movie left you feeling yeah mage disped <laughs> yeah that's right mage disp um yeah i was majorly disappointed um the opening shots were beautiful the actually the whole thing the cinematography was really beautiful um so where did it go wrong because i watched like the first i did watch the first like 10 minutes of it i didn't have time to watch the whole thing but i watched the first 10 minutes and went it doesn't look terrible it was terrible okay (laughs) um it the story got really not even complicated in a good way it just there were these characters and that you know when you know when a movie is trying to make you connected to a character to Mm -hmm. characters or to a character they're trying way too hard that's that was one of the many problems they did something with one of the characters I didn't like. I didn't like that they were speaking in English. It definitely pulled me out of the movie a lot. Yeah, because they were advertising, like, when I selected it on Netflix, it was, like, available in English and Chinese. Okay, I thought it was, we talked about it just being in English. No, it was filmed in English, and then they overdubbed it in Chinese, which is new. Yeah. Normally, you know, the classic racist joke is always the other way around, where they're talking in English, but their lips keep moving this time. They were talking in Chinese, but their lips kept moving because yeah. they were actually speaking English. Yeah, they were. And it, it did definitely pull me out of the movie a lot, especially because their accents were all very different, mm. which is fine because they are all from different sort of regions. That's okay. It just, it was strange. Michelle Yeoh was fantastic. Listen, and this is why I'm surprised to hear you say it was disappointing because in the first 10 minutes, she came exploding out of the top of that character. And I was like, yes, <laughs> yeah. Michelle Yeoh. And she was great. She Both both the acting and the action was great um, from her. The other actors, they were good actors. Mm-hmm. There weren't any bad actors, but the, the script was very <laughs> weak. Not good parts. No, the script was very weak. The character development was very weak. They really tried to force some things. There was a really cool scene where they're on the ice. They showed a bit of a clip of that from Mm. the trailer, but they have a much longer extended scene. That was fantastic, but it definitely just didn't have the gravity and the poetry that the first movie had. Um, It became a very um, sort of normal level. Just a lot of uh, action flick. Decent set pieces with no real story. Yeah. Together. Yeah. And they. The balance was off, definitely. The pacing was off. There were a lot of things that were just off about it. So I, I watched it till the end, but there were definitely some parts where I was like, oh, I'm really bored. I just want to turn it off now. Um, but I watched it to the end for you folks <laughs> so I could give you a full recount of what the movie was like. Well, um, I'm sorry. It was such a mage disp. It to was. You. It was. It was a mage disp. Uh, my own mage disp, not even a mage disp because I didn't uh, really expect it to happen, mm-hmm. was a uh, news drop this week that uh, Jogo, Mr. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He, uh, has a, he has a short form? Jogo. You didn't know that? I had no idea. I thought this was, I thought this was established. No. He was Jogo. Jogo. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, who was previously involved both as a 
producer and possibly star slash director like this was going to be like his like major project yeah in sort of the same way that oh man i'm gonna call him van wilder (laughs) (laughs) ryan reynolds ryan ryan reynolds what sorry ryan reynolds was a big part of making deadpool happen in the way it happened yes joseph gordon levitt was going to be the same for sandman which is the thing we're talking about uh classic Beloved Neil Gaiman, the story that put him on the map uh, about Morpheus, the Lord of Dreams. They've been trying to make something out of this for decades. A long, long time. Jogo's involvement seemed to suggest that he knew, like, like you said, like Ryan Reynolds, he knew the property. He was a fan of the books. He was a fan of the story. He really wanted to get this going. And it seemed like it was going to, even though we hadn't heard anything about it for a while until suddenly this week there was news that mm, he and the producers, other producers in the studio can't really see eye to eye on where they think the story should go. So he is dropping out. Which is really unfortunate. It is unfortunate. But at the same time, can you even make a movie out of Sandman? Um, that's a really good question. I don't think I have the answer. And is a movie of San is the movie of Sandman that they will give me even something that I it, I I have a, a a feeling, and I've actually heard this sentiment echoed a lot in the land of the internet, uh, which is there's a good possibility we're going to get another um, Watchmen mm. uh, or another V for Vendetta. Uh, v for Vendetta actually wasn't that bad of a movie, um, but it was not V for Vendetta. The, from the comic book, right? Yeah. Um, Watchmen was probably the biggest disappointment for a lot of people, but that was one of those things. Again, I think the Watchmen should have been a miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so much there, and there's even more there when it comes to Sandman. And Sandman is so tightly threaded yeah. together. The thing I always loved about it. Sorry, allow me to sing the praises of Neil Gaiman for a moment. I never understood. I bought the books out of order. Like I read them. I didn't oh. buy trades, so I would essentially start from the back. I was buying singles in my comic collecting days, so I had like a bulk of the series. The series was 75 issues. I had maybe like the first five and then like 40 to the end and a few like here and there. So as I would fill out that gap over months and years as I would travel around buying comics at various stores because my friends and I were insane and would play road trips just to go to comic stores. This is really weird. (laughs) I I do the same thing with records now, which apparently people think is more normal, but... um, (laughs) you would see that characters that showed up that you thought, you know, debuted in like issue 50 were actually like in the background or had like a two line speaking moment in like issue 20. Yeah. Like everything was super tightly plotted like that. And I don't know if he had it that tightly plotted or if he's just, you know, gaming and he's a genius and he just was like, I remember that person that I wrote 10 years ago and I'll make a story about them now. Probably a little of both, but I don't know because everything in Sandman is like a pebble getting dropped in a lake that ripples out to everything else. I don't know how you boil that down to a two hour, two and a half hour movie. I, and I, I, I've never seen anyone do that at all with mm. a property that is that sort of involved and large and has so many parts to it, right? Like it's, it's not been done. I don't think they can do it. They may, they may have tried to plot it out as maybe like not just a standalone movie right Mm. um but even then i can't see any conclusion happening in an hour and a half yeah i mean like for all the moving parts that are the only property that i think it manages to manage those all those moving parts and are like barely holding it together is game of thrones oh yeah 
and that like, even still they've like, cut they're, so they're much do, out. They're doing a real good job, but they're bare. It's splitting at the seams. Like they're barely holding it together with all the moving parts that has. Sandman has just as many moving parts over the course of the series. Like if anything, yeah. they should just chuck the whole thing and take like one of the death miniseries and just film that you know yeah it's a three issue and done complete story like yeah you could do that and it would be great and which frankly, they are apparently doing death are they yeah frankly we all just want to see death anyway that's just yeah i know that, that's I the know. character we all want but anyway uh well Bitter, bittersweet news i mean i'm sad it's not happening but at the same time i'm not gonna say i'm not a little bit relieved sorry i know you're trying to end this but you just said something and i would disagree I think making a delirium movie would be the greatest thing ever. It would make no sense, and it would make me happy. Just watch Tori Amos interviews. It's basically the <laughs> same thing. I know, I know. And finally, um, Ghostbusters trailer. Yeah. People are happy about it. Some people. I didn't really care one way or the other. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm frustrated, period, that they keep on remaking things and relaunching them i actually think it would have been a lot better if um it was a continuation of the story yeah i don't think i was really clear until after i saw the trailer that it wasn't a continuation i think i thought for a long time that it was um and even in the trailer i felt it felt very much like a continuation i'm i mean i'll i'll definitely be going to see it because i like sci-fi and i like ghosts and i like slime uh but i yeah like you i'm not super hyped for it and i'm not you know upset by it like some people are i just it's just another movie um yeah if anything i'm just like i was a little disheartened by the fact that i didn't laugh once watching the trailer uh, and that could be just because they're taking they're leaving everything out of the trailer which would be refreshing for once yes um but like i've seen many Paul Feig movies like I'm aware of what his skills are and I usually and I enjoy his movies I know he makes funny things that make me laugh so I was surprised to just watch that trailer and just like kind of land with a thud for me for whatever reason I don't laugh at any trailers so <laughs> there's I very rarely seen a trailer that's made me really excited for a movie really so yeah I'm just so well, used hell, I'm to I'm usually the opposite oh I'm just so used to going to things and it either not being like the trailer at all or being the exact movie that the trailer has shown me that I really I just have to wait to go see it now. I don't I don't try to gauge anything. And what is this? What why are people upset? Oh, not I mean it's sort of it's we they've talked about it for a while now just with the release of the trailer there was sort of like a re-emphasis of this idea that of the four women, mm-hmm. um, the three who are white are the scientists, mm-hmm. and the one who is not, which is played by Leslie Jones, um, uh, she happens to be black, and she is a um, transit uh, like booth, right? Yeah, she works uh, like operator. A transit booth. Oh, so because she's the only one who's not a scientist, people are upset. Um, she's talked about this, saying, "Why can't normal people?" be Ghostbusters 2. She actually thinks it's a it's nice and refreshing to have someone who is not a scientist be a Ghostbuster. Um, but I think it's just also an echo of uh, sort of what happened the last time the Ghostbusters were around, mm. um, which the black character in Ghostbusters from the 1980s was also just sort of like... Uh, uh, an everyman, right? He was the only one who wasn't a scientist. Um, the actor is... 
Ernie Hudson. Ernie, wow, pulled that out fast. Um, who was? I I might have some level of affinity for Ghostbusters, like you do for Labyrinth. Oh, not, okay. Not to, not to your level. All right. Um, sorry, Empire Records. That was what you summoned really fast. <laughs> yes. Well, um, apparently, uh, when he first got the job, he was supposed to be like an Air Force captain. Yeah, I saw that. He was basically talking about how the character of Winston Zedmore had like yeah a lot more backstory yeah and, and then, then they cut it all um it's just a dude who wanted a paycheck when they yeah which is also fine it's just it's like i mean having those characters are fine it's just the the con- continual representation yeah it's, of... it's fine but you gotta also understand why black people get a little frustrated by this stuff seemingly always happening to yeah. the characters that they're playing. Exactly. Like even in the Marvel universe, right? Name one genius character who is not white. T'Challa. Okay. T'Challa is also, he is like the definition of a Mary Sue. He's also a king. <laughs> he has the Panther spirit and like, well, he's also the only one. I mean, like, that's, yes. like, that's like the obvious. But even then, like, I guess Amadeus Cho is a recent, uh, Addition they and they and they they are changing things, but from that sort of original lineup, like yeah. you never get a. I mean, in the DC universe, they had Cyborg's father. He is obviously a genius scientist. Yes, um, but he's not a main character, right? He's not going to do a battle of wits with Luther, right? You know, so it just people get frustrated. You know who else was a genius of color in the DCU? Who? Mister Terrific. Oh my god. My goal is to bring Mr. Terrific onto the show as much as possible. <laughs> and I, I'm fine with that. I'm, I I have nothing against Mr. Terrific. Um, but yeah, sorry. That's sort of the, there's the sort of a, a, a two sides to it, which is it's fine to have people of color who are also just everyday people who just want a paycheck or just want to be the everyman who, or who are subway booth operators because that's... A, a fine representation but it's just frustrating for some people that they never get to be the genius scientist mm-hmm. or you know the playboy millionaire or etc 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 so the once the trailer came out there was sort of this back and forth no angry back and forth just a back and forth so that's that's sort of the story about that well as always we always say we like to reserve full judgment before until uh we actually see something so again cautiously optimistic <laughs> I think that's going to be like, that should be the subtitle of the show. Geek, the Geek Down Podcast, Cautiously, Cautiously Optimistic. optimistic. Um, yeah, not like they need my money. It's going to make a bajillion dollars. Anyway, uh, I have two more things briefly that I want to discuss. Uh, one, uh, longtime listeners, hey, all three of you, <laughs> who have been here from the beginning. We've picked up we picked up people as we've gone along. Um, but I think on the first episode, we mentioned that uh, Axel Alonso of Marvel Comics had dropped a teaser that they were going to do one of their hip-hop variants for Jay Dilla. Yes. They that was a long time long ago, Long time ago. An artist I am very, very fond of, um, who I enjoy a great deal, and also I enjoy Marvel Comics. It finally got released that they are uh, doing a variant cover based around Dilla's album Donuts. The original drawing is like just of a donut shop with a giant donut like a plane flying in the background yeah and what they have done is they have taken this the donut has now become the captain america shield the little plane in the corner is a um helicarrier and instead of um 
J. Dilla, J.D. Donuts. It says uh, Steve Rogers, Captain America. Why the did they do Captain America? I don't know. Maybe just the, have you seen it? I can show it to you. No, I haven't seen it. I just, yeah. I feel like that's a weird. Yeah, that's the. I mean, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it looks good. Like the, I like the colors, but I just don't think Captain America is a good representation of are, are any of them? I suppose <laughs> really. not. I suppose not. Uh, also worthy of note regarding this story, um, Caitlin brought up, and we discussed this. Discussed this that uh, she would have preferred that the artists working on these were uh, people of color and not white dudes. Uh, this was this cover was done by. I'm going to butcher your last name, sir. I apologize, Jeffrey Vereg Vereggi. I'm drawing a blank. He is Native American comic artist from the Port Gamble Sakalum tribe. Ooh, that's a nice, so, nice change up. He's doing a lot of work uh, for them, for Marvel, actually. Uh, Alonzo posted a few covers that he's done. He's doing a Moon Knight cover. He did Ooh. something else as well. But um, there you go. Not only is the Donuts based cover actually out, it is done by a Native American man. So Fantastic. Um, things that are less dope in the world of comics. Oh, no. That I wanted to mention. I, I thought you were going to end it on high note. No, people love when we talk about fuckery, and we really haven't had much of an opportunity lately to talk about fuckery because. I may have been avoiding it. it you knew it was only a matter of time. Uh, uh, I'm just going to mention this briefly. So there's a story that came out of the Emerald City Comic Con oh. last weekend. Oh. I think it was last weekend. Oh. So for those who have never been to a comic convention, you know, you can get a pass for three days or sometimes depending on whatever day you go, they will give you a pass for that day. It's a little badge you wear so they know you've paid and you can go around to the various panels and such. So for Sunday at the and Emerald City Comic Con. Do you want to tell them what what uh, Emerald City Comic Con, what it is? It is a comic convention in I don't know where. <laughs> the Emerald City. The Emerald City is, in fact, not in Oz. No, it's in it's in Seattle. It's in Washington State. Um, so there was the Sunday pass for this show featured an advertisement for an upcoming Image comic. Image, why did it have to be you? We loved you so much, Image. Well, it, it's okay that it is their comic. <laughs> it's just not okay the image they use so from their book, comic. It's from a book called The Discipline. Um, it's a sexual coming of age story written by two dudes uh, be that as it may I have no beef with Peter Milligan who is the writer of this book I do have beef with the organizers of the Emerald City Comic Con deciding that the image from this book that they were going to feature on their Sunday badge which is family day by the way <laughs> also family day features a terrified looking woman with her shirt being pulled open by, by a, a clawed monster like hand yes yeah, it's lit very darkly like it's at night like she's being illuminated by a street light and she looks she's clearly scared and uncomfortable and being kind of groped by a long-fingered long-clawed hand what the fuck were y'all thinking no the the best comment i saw about this on any news outlet was now i just think they're fucking with us <laughs> Let's enjoy this one, which is on this article I'm reading, a tweet from Leonard Pierce, quote, we take sexual harassment seriously. Here's what it looks like so you can report it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really awful. It's and just... the comic itself is actually not about sexual assault. It's about sexual awakening. Um, but the image they used, if you had no idea, which I didn't, I hadn't even heard of the comic before this, mm -hmm. um, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't. I was, I gasped. Like, I don't understand who let this happen. They should be fired. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just, that's basically what it 
all oh, this shit always comes down to for me is like how many stages did this have to go through somebody image had to approve that image yeah someone at image comics had to approve that image to serve as the ad for this book so then that went through like two or three people and then got sent to the organizers of the comic convention who looked at it and said, yeah, that's fine. We'll yeah, this is totally cool. And the badges are not tiny. They're pretty big, right? Like they, I just, I still can't get over it. I just, it is such a, excuse my language, a fuck up. It's hard to comprehend. I mean, and the organizers very quickly came out and apologized and did the whole, you know, we understand people are offended by the images on the Sunday badge. You can exchange them for another badge with no artwork or whatever. And, you know, so they admitted their F up. But like, how many people did it have to go through to even get to that point? And it's how just... many people, not a single one of those people that it went through went, hey, this isn't quite right. And I mean, I'm not one to like, if I think people are overreacting, I am old enough to, you know, not care about saying, hey, I think you're overreacting. Anyone who's saying people are overreacting to this are dumb. This is not an overreaction. This is not a thing that ever should have, like, happened, got out in the first place. Um, And it seems like, oh, what's the big deal? But, I mean, with all the fanboy fuckery that goes on, especially at conventions, like, if you're a woman who is cosplaying maybe as a character that would be considered, you know, suggestive and you're already not feeling not great about it you know you're trying to be confident you're trying to you know rock your cosplay in the back of your head you're maybe thinking man i hope there are no gross dudes there who just want to take my photo and be idiots if you got that on your mind already and then they hand you this badge like what the and it's not even someone who is cosplaying something suggestive just as <laughs> just as just a, a woman, woman or, or being a woman at or a comic as convention. a person like could you think of like there are you know fathers and mothers who take their kids yeah. uh to especially again this is was the family day day so a lot of people are just going for that day because it's family day and then being able to like have to look at this image and have their kids not explaining the image is fine but a lot of people don't know what this image is from right they don't yeah. have the context for it and it's really not appropriate at all in any way um, I'm fine with, as we know, nudity in general, but nudity in comics, I'm totally fine with. But this isn't just nudity or just something that looks, it's not just like a lady who's in a pinup style or, mm. you know, like you said, is wearing some something suggestive. It is a terrified woman who has her shirt being pulled open. That's awful. And I mean, again, it's no, we're not saying here, it's like, oh, the comic is trash and it shouldn't exist. The comic is fine. Because you know what? If I'm taking my, you know, eight-year-old niece dressed up like Ms. Marvel to the comic convention, you know, she's probably not going to see that comic, but the fact that... Well, now she will, Jordan. Now (laughs) it's been plastered all over the badge I'm supposed to pin to her to get into the show. It's just, just just do better, nerds. Do Do better. better. Please do better. Just do better. That's basically the takeaway. That is it for news this week. Hopefully we'll end on a better note next week. (laughs) Well, I mean, well, it's not up to us, is it? A very valid point. When we come back after this short break, we will uh, look at the things that each of us brought the other. It's the reason you're all here and has a eerie synergy to it this week. It does. Totally Uh, unplanned. Totally unplanned. And uh, we'll see you all when we get back. Bye.
everyone. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us again after that short break. The break is where an advertisement would typically go. And we had one last week. Of sorts. It was an advertisement. Okay. We didn't get paid for it, but it was an advertisement. Here's the point. We need advertisements and we need to get paid. And I'm going to tell you why. Oh, I no. promise, Caitlin, it would never come up on this show. So I'm going to do this briefly. The queens are coming back. My Ur fandom, my Alpha and Omegas, Nochi Kashiyuka and Achan are coming back to the Hammerstein Ballroom in Manhattan, September 3rd and 4th. I missed them in 2014. And he has not shut up about it And since. I have not gotten over it. And if I have to take a 12-hour bus to get there and live on Dunkin' Donuts from the, a dumpster to feed myself to see this show, I'm going to. But I would like to not have to eat day-old Dunkin' Donuts to attend these concerts. Mm-hmm. You know what would help that? What? Advertising revenue for this show, for this major content that we bring <laughs> you every week. We don't even like each other that much. Okay. I'm just going to break it down for y'all. <laughs> so if he doesn't go to this show, <laughs> I will never not hear about it again. Every week I see him, he will open with, hey, guess what I don't get to go do in when is the show? September 3rd and 4th. September 3rd and 4th. That is six months from this. I have six months, people. He has six months. And if you happen to be like an editor of like a music magazine or something and you want to pay for my travel and accommodations to go to this show and write about how as like a 30 year old man, I'm fascinated with, you know, three dancing. They don't even sing live. Why do I want to go so bad? I have no idea. <laughs> I just I have to. There also, are two shows. I'm going to leave the first and go right back around and line up. You again. didn't even you, you just called them the queens. You you people don't know who you're talking about. They are perfume. There you go. If you're interested, Cosmic Explorer out April 6th. You can listen to them online. They're on Spotify. Come on, Squarespace. Help us out. Anyways, <laughs> now moving along away from Jordan talks about perfume for an hour and a half. I didn't even talk about them. I just <laughs> talked about wanting money to go see them. That wasn't about them. Anyways, moving on, Jordan. You're on to some other bullshit. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it's time for format. Woo! Finally. This is the reason you are all here, where Caitlin and I, each from our various spheres of geekery and nerdery, bring each other something we like that the other one probably has not seen to try and see if they will like it. Yeah, that's all right. There are rules. There are rules. Oh my gosh, we remembered them this week. <laughs> Usually we have to stick them in afterwards because no, we forget. With no previous discussion that we have to make sure we remember to mention the rules. Yeah. So rule number one, Jordan. The rule of three. Which is? If it is a television series, a miniseries, a comic series, any sort of series, anything that runs on installments, you have to give it three of said installments. You can't just watch one and go, not for me. You have to sit through three to try and get a least a good sense of where the show property comic is ultimately going. And you can watch more episodes, of course. Yes, you can. Um, I think but... I actually did this week because it's weird the way they're set up, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Yes. Um, uh, you can watch uh, more of them if you want, but you just have to at least watch three. Yep. Rule number two, no tipping of the hand. Caitlin. Um, that is um, us not talking about the thing we're watching 
until we talk about it on the show, which is very hard for Jordan and I to do because our entire relationship is basically based on us talking about what we're consuming <laughs> this we're week. watching and reading. Um, number three. Not a rule as much as a policy on spoilers. It uh, will happen. They will happen. They will happen. We don't go out of our way to just blab every single thing that happens in a show, every twist and turn. But if it's relevant to the conversation, it's probably going to come up. So if you don't like spoilers, this is the time to hit the road. Peace out. Well, we thank you for coming and listening to us so far. Uh, we're sorry you can't enjoy the rest of our show. But you know what? Maybe you should just you know get over it. Maybe sometimes it's about, you know... The, the larger conversation? Maybe. Here's the thing. People always thought I was crazy because I would read spoilers to Breaking Bad. Yeah. It's like, how could you do this? It's so tightly plotted, blah, blah, blah. I got just as much enjoyment watching like the performances. Like No spoiler column is going to um, make up for the fact. I see both sides, but I mean, I don't think we've ever gotten into my, anything that deep. My issue is that I am someone who suffers from a general general anxiety disorder. Um, so that means that if something gets tense on a television show, I'm liable to have a stroke. So I need to know... So you want spoilers. I, I need spoilers. Ah. I need to know that X person dies or X person lives or, you know, they don't get busted or whatever because I will actually vomit. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Interesting take. So... Spoilers for me are good, and spoilers for you, apparently, are good also, uh, just mostly because you're a weirdo. <laughs> I mean, I'm fine. You're the one who's weird. Um, so if you were someone, though, who absolutely cannot stand people spoiling things, and you have not seen the two things we're about to talk about, then you should probably make yourself some tea on my behalf. Or get some cheese. We haven't mentioned cheese yet this episode. Oh, we did it. Cheese and tea. Cheese and tea. Cheese and tea. So this week, because we like to rotate... Uh, we are going to start with the thing that I brought, Caitlin. Excellent. Kind of flew by the seat of my pants on this one, uh, riding high after the victory that was Michiko and Hachin yeah, last week. Yeah, last week. I just kind of looked for something on my shelf and pulled something kind of at random because Caitlin has mentioned numerous times on this show her affinity for Bishoujo Senchi Sailor Moon. I love Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon means so much to me. So given that fact, when I looked at my shelves and said, hey, I have a show on DVD that was done by the same director who did a large portion of Sailor Moon. It's kind of what he went to uh, after that. Kunihiko Ikuhara is the director. And this show was done, I believe, the story is that it wasn't really like a pre-existing manga. Like the manga and the anime kind of started at the same time. It was just like kind of like a creative collective of artists and directors and animators who kind of came up with this all at once. It is decidedly more capital A anime than anything else I've given her at this point, so I'm looking forward to this conversation. Uh, Caitlin, what did you think of Revolutionary Girl Utena? Um, I'm looking through my notes. Are there many? Uh, there, well... Is the first one WTF? It is! You win the game! Yes, you have won, Jordan. The... Letters WTF appear a number of times, approximately seven. Seven times WTF appears in my notes. So I will do my best to give the people a plot summary of sorts. Uh, uh, this good is, luck. This is a show about a girl named Utena Tenjo. Uh, it's never said that it was her. The show opens with a sort of fable uh, about a 
young girl. Is she a princess? Do they call her a princess? Yes, they do call her a princess. They call her a young princess who par- whose parents have been killed. Yeah. Um, and she has decided she does not want to live anymore. And she crawls into her parents' coffin. And no one can find her. But she is discovered by a traveling prince who comforts her and gives her a ring. Um, I don't remember what exactly he says. He says um, that this is going to be a very hard time for you, but remember this strength of survival throughout your entire life and And, be strong. And she is so inspired by this that she decides she's going to be a prince when she grows up. Yes. Then transfer to young Utena Tenjo, who is a high schooler at uh, Otori Academy. Is that what it was called? It's always an academy. Um, And... To better serve as a prince, she's very tomboyish. She dresses in the boys' uniform of the school. Which there are no rules about that, by No the rules way. about that. She's super active in school. Everybody kind of loves her. The girls around the school are always kind of, you know, in love with her. Her best friend's always, like, jumping on her and yeah. loves her so much. And Utena discovers in the campus rose garden a young girl named... I can never say her name. <laughs> I can never just say her name. I have to say the full name. Himemia Ansi. Uh, it's spelled Anthy, A-N-T-H-Y. And that's how the dub says it. It says Anthy. Oh, God, you watched the dub? Well, you, I didn't know. You didn't tell me whether oh, I should God. or not. It comes from the time when dubs were terrible. <laughs> well, that might explain a lot. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, yes, he she sees what she presumes to be this young girl and her boyfriend, the devastatingly beautiful green-haired uh, Sayonji. <laughs> I just, I can't. I just, okay, go. Uh, and witnesses him kind of slapping her around. Utena takes offense, jumps in and defends her, and then essentially kind of gets, in an effort to defend her, gets roped into these duels with the student council of the school, which uh, Sayonji is a member of, and basically these kind of like fencing duels that she has to fight in, and... Protect her rose. Protect her rose, yes, that, that, that's the goal of the of the fencing matches, is to knock the rose off of your opponent, and whoever wins gets to keep Anthe. Yeah, it's real weird. Because she's the rose bride. She is the Rose and Bride. And basically does her bit and is like, all right, peace. Cool. You don't have to be with that dude anymore. Uh, goes home and discovers that Anthe's there. It's just like, hey, what's up? I'm your wife now. Yeah. And things go from there with her trying to manage whatever bizarre sort of underworld she has discovered. It is at weird. The, uh, at the academy. So. I, I don't even know where to start on the weirdness. Um... Okay, no, I do. I know where exactly where to start. Anthe needs to woman up and stop letting people people smack her around because it's not just whatever. What, what's I actually wrote uh, Sionji or whatever his name is. Green hair. Green hair. It's everyone. Keep on. They keep on smacking her. If that was the drinking game where you took a shot every time Anthe got slapped. I'd be wasted by the second episode, like continually. And they don't ever say, like, she She says, oh, I have to do whatever he says, which is also weird, just mm-hmm. straight off the bat. Um, but I'm sorry, you know, following instructions and getting yourself get whooped every, you know, couple minutes is not the same thing. The whole Rosebread thing is super weird. They could have thought of so many more creative things, but it, it's super weird. Tone wise, it's weird that you brought up the labyrinth because I actually wrote that it is 
tone-wise, it reminds me of a mixture of Labyrinth, Heavy Metal, and Gormenghast. Oh, yeah, right, because I, yeah, I guess one thing that should be mentioned is when she's fighting these duels, uh, a giant upside-down castle appears in the sky <laughs> above her. A little Castlevania, yeah. And um, this is what, and the, yeah, the music is very Baroque and... It's, and the lyrics, they, they give a translation oh, of right. the lyrics, and they're they also always, really weird. They always sound like Judas Priest. And... Yeah, yeah, it's super, super bizarre. Um, and the story... Story, I really, I disliked basically everything about it. Um, I just, the story didn't make any sense. It was really slow. I just, I sort of tuned out halfway through. Like, I I got through the, I actually watched more than three episodes. Oh, did you? Because <laughs> uh, it was on. I kind of, you know, like, watched it and scrolled through my Facebook kind of thing. Because yeah, even as I was giving the description, I was like, this is such a show that's undone by the rule of three. You're not going to get anything. Yeah. There. But also, I don't think I would, I found it, I mean, I really didn't find it interesting. I mean, every so often when they talked about the world revolution, I'd crack up. Uh, they get it, their letters from the end of the world. End of the world, yes. Uh, which I it didn't make any sense. No. Um, I just didn't. I wasn't interested in the characters. I, I was a little bit interested in the way that you kind of want to know what what happens to Sailor Moon. You know, does she ever get to Crystal Tokyo? Um, that kind of thing. But really, the characters are I didn't have any sympathy for them i didn't except for anthe of course because everyone's slapping her yeah because i think three episodes you're kind of underserved because you don't really get a sense of the student council as people until you get a little further down and like what their motivations are and why why they want to be the ones because they're all fighting to hold the Rosebride because whoever has the Rosebride can win the power to revolutionize the world, whatever the hell that means. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, they, I have no idea what that means. They all have their reasons for why they want to do that. And you don't in three episodes or even like I gave you the first DVD and there was what, six on that? Like, uh, Yeah. And they are split up in a weird way. Mm. They like have a title for each each episode is like split up into two and they each have each part has a title and mm. it was very strange. Uh, so I actually don't know how many I know I definitely watched three, but I don't know how many more I watched than three because I sort of just let it run um, until I was like, no, this is this is enough. I can't take any more of this. Yeah, I don't know. And it gets it gets much weirder about like the sexy sex aspect of it. Like it's a lot of weirdly sexual tension um throughout yeah i mean i did like the sort of um the play on her being a tomboy but people being in love with her even though she's a girl mm. kind of thing they kind of you can sort of kind of be in love with anyone in this world which i thought was was nice like the um green hair and the student council president i can't remember his name orange hair yeah they're all every the term is Bishonen, which means beautiful boy. And yeah. like they are the archetypal Bishonen. Like, oh yeah, yeah. And there's there's a devastatingly handsome and, and that's, sweeping long hair. That and, was one of the um, labyrinth elements. It was very David Bowie, right? That is like true, it's yeah. very they're they're not specifically they're beautiful men, right? Um, or boys, I guess, though they come off as men. Very much the way sort of the in Sailor Moon, how they had I can't remember their names. They're all named after crystals. Like Zoysite. Yeah, yeah. And they're all sort of like 
you know, they're just beautiful beings, right? Yeah, like they changed, in the American one, or the American dub, they changed one of them to a girl because she looked too pretty. Yeah, a, I think that was Zoe Sight. He, yes, he looked too pretty as a, as a boy. Yeah. So... Uh, that was all great um, and it was actually a little bit refreshing I didn't know that there was that much of that in early um, anime because this is from the late 90s I think it was like 98 or something yeah. that it aired um, and still gets like held up as like a really like important anime for what it did with like tweaking gender roles like that yeah which and uh, that was all really interesting I could see why that would be element would be important but the anime itself was just I found it really boring yeah at the same time it's it's like we're gonna thwart all these gender gender norms while being borderline incomprehensible with the story yeah I just so much of it was just like I don't know what's going well that's why there are so many WTFs (laughs) on my page is just like I don't understand things like why does the princess have a sword come out of her chest I don't know Mm. they never talk about it she's just and she's a like she's like a sheath that's really sexual like it just there are all these yeah, little that, bits like, and pieces that you talk about you know weirdly sexual tension that whole like pose you know it's from this from the place that brought you sailor moon so the animation gets repeated all, all the, time. the time um but that whole pose of her like pulling the sword out of anthe yeah the way she's cradling her and the way she's like moving her hand over her breasts to get the yeah. sword out like it's all like it's kind of kind of kind of Odd. Yeah, and the idea, just even that whole idea of being like engaged in brides and stuff, and it, just the language was weird as well. Like, and that could have been the the dub, but it, I think it, you know, it just is a very different language than a lot of stories in anime put together today. Like, they, they go back to sort of the there's lots of like rose this and rose mm. that and you know, master this and master that. And it's just weird. I mean, they're trying to thwart every sort of trope of traditional fairy tales. Right. In it. Um, I did like the fact that she, instead of, instead of becoming this princess uh, who waits for a prince, she was just like, screw that. I'm going to be a prince. That's awesome. Um, That was really cool. But, you know, um, and again, that, again, that, that whole gender role um, thing was interesting um but the story itself just didn't grab me in any way Mm. and i mean that's fair it doesn't give you a whole lot especially on the first even like five or six episodes because it's just running through she's gotta have a match with each member of the student council and you really don't get anything anything there i think by the end of that arc she has a second match with all the student council who are now challenging her um, so you learn about more about their motivations for why they even want this in the first place. And right. then you get a little more sense of them as characters. Later in the show, they each kind of have like, it's called the Black Rose Saga. Um, each member of the student council kind of has like a mirror version of them. Or like, there's somebody that's kind of like paired with them, whether it's a sibling or a, or a lover or something like Do that. Do they all wear black goatees? No, they have black roses on their on their lapels. Oh, so basically black goatees. Um, and even that one got even weirder with like, so it'd be like the blue hair kid's sister, and it was all based around this like research institute on the on the campus and about getting to your deepest um, like fears, desires, whatever. So they'd be like in like an elevator with some voiceover and intercom talking to them, and he'd just be going go deeper, and they keep like talking, and the elevator would start going down and down and down until like suddenly hit the bottom floor and you'd see like a pin butterfly in a frame. And it's like, oh, okay, I get, I guess that's cool. I'm, g- I'm going to trump all of this for you though. <laughs> because 
as weird as you think the show is, yeah. uh, they, as many anime are want to do, redid it as a movie. Oh, seriously? Tried to do. I should let you watch that, because if you really care about incomprehensibility. Uh, spoiler, Utena turns into a car in the movie. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, what? Turns into a car. Like, beep beep? Yeah, like an actual car. Like the little shadow girls, who we should mention are probably my favorite part of the show. Yeah, um, I didn't understand what that was. That was what kind of reminded me of Gormenghast. Mm, they're just like a Greek chorus kind of thing. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Basically, before and after every commercial, before or after every commercial, there will be these like shadow girls who are dr- drawn very exaggeratedly. They don't really look like normal people. Yeah. Um, they look like kind of like shadow puppets, I guess, uh, paper puppets. And they will be talking about something completely unrelated to the plot of the show but like shared thematically you know shared themes yeah in the movie they are like like all these like computer consoles and all of a sudden like you know like compactors and shit start forming around utana and when it pulls away she's like a pink ferrari with a and but and anthony hops in the car and and they, they like race all of the student council turns into cars and it basically turns into an auto race i'm sorry what because anime well actually that's a good reason because that's usually the reason for anything in anime is because anime. Because anime. So yeah, I, I, there was so, it was such a, it was just a weird viewing experience. <laughs> I did not expect it to be that weird or story-wise incomprehensible. I was expecting, you know what did this kind of thing a lot better? Uh, Death Parade. where it sort of gave you a glimmer into this much bigger world Mm. and kind of drew you in because one of the things I was thinking and I had written this down is it really like it just punches you straight into the story Mm. right like it doesn't give you any background it's just like go 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 and I was like well that doesn't work at all but I was like but it can work death parade did it Mm. right death parade basically puts you right in the middle of a story doesn't give you really much to go on but this was just, yeah, it was not very good. As did the thing you brought me, which we'll talk about in okay. a moment. So yeah, I guess if we're handing out kick punches, it's a question mark? Uh, no, kick punches, kick, of... kick punches is like two. Two. It's a two kick punch uh, type of anime. I mean... I'm sorry. No, I, I, like I said, I handed it to you because I was like, she likes Sailor Moon, maybe she'll like this. And within hours after you left, I was like, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> that was way too capital a anime too i'm sorry <laughs> just because she liked one. Oh, and then oh sorry one other thing though that i actually did like about it mm. there was apparently a brown girl ah yes which was nice because you never see that uh and her brother shows up later and he is also brown uh i figured something like that would happen because that was one of the other things that they show you the prince and yeah he's brown looks and you, just like her yeah except is male yeah he's exactly yep so uh anime but yeah no that that was nice actually i was like hey that's cool <laughs> um yes and she has a vaguely east asian name himemia i don't know I'm, where yeah, that i don't yeah. know where that where that comes from uh apparently the manga does veer off plot wise in a different direction from the anime i don't know how differently and i mean i've read quickly reading some like sort of analyses of the show today and how like anthe and utena are kind of like the crux of the show is each of them are one point on like the masculine femininity scale. And over the course of the show, they kind of rotate around and learn to have both. That's cool. Sort of. But again, it's like a 39 episode show. I'm not going to sit here and try to be like, <laughs> you should sit through all of it. Although there is a really dope episode where uh, orange haired um, sister 
Did she come up at all? Yeah, she's awful. She is awful. She turns into a cow in one episode. Oh, that's fantastic. So maybe you should just go back and watch. No, that just makes me happy, <laughs> I'll, that, I'll, that, that cow give, part. I'll just give you whatever episode that is. Um, I can't remember her name or what they're called, but they're called like every so often. They're essentially, they're just filler, right? Right. But there'll be an episode based around her, and there's one where like, Anthony was making curry and blew up the kitchen because the sister was trying to like sabotage her cooking, and she used like some crazy spice. Right. And ended up blowing the kitchen, and she lost her memory. Um, oh no, Utena and Anthony swapped personalities. That's what it was. Oh, so that's funny. the sister had to like travel around and try to find you know the spice that was uh, that was required. There's another one where she turns into a cow. I can't remember what the third one was. There's three of them, but they're the comic relief portions of the series. Yeah, which did not come in enough. <laughs> there was not enough comic relief. No, 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 no. Well, I can't say I'm surprised. Thank you for sitting through. <laughs> you are very welcome. It was worth a shot. Uh, moving on. Moving on! Yeah! <laughs> She's super amped about this one. Yeah. So, Jordan, how did you like Steven Universe? Weird synergy of things brought to each other this week. All about flipping those gender norms this week on Geekdom. Good times. Um, what did I think of Steven Universe? I liked it. Oh. But at the same time. Uh-huh feel that there's a lot of baggage with this show okay as an adult watching it feel like there's a lot of baggage with this show that i had a hard time shaking okay so i'm actually first before we get into it i'm just going to give some background on steven universe which i love uh so steven universe universe was created by rebecca sugar she did all she did, she was a writer and a storyboard artist for Adventure Time. So there are been there are some similarities between them, as far as sort of like weird magical stuff. Um, but really, it's she's created it all herself. This whole universe. There has been two seasons so far, uh, seventy eight episodes. Um, it's a coming of age story, basically about this young boy named Steven. Uh, Steven Universe. Um, he lives with three magical humanoid aliens um, called the Crystal Gems. Um, these three Crystal Gems are uh, Garnet, Amethyst, and Pearl. And Steven himself is a half gem, half human. So he gets his gem side from a Crystal Gem who is named uh, Rose Quartz and from his dad who is a human. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else I should mention before we start. No, I think that's about it. That's kind of all you need to know. Yeah, so basically it's a magical girl show starring a boy. Yeah, kind of. Um, which, you know, fine with. I mean, the thing I couldn't... I would say they're magical women. <laughs> I'm using the vernacular of uh, of the, you know, Cardcaptor Sakura uh, shoujo genre that I'm accustomed to. Why don't we start with some of the things you did like about it? Things I liked about it. Um, I like to see Estelle getting money. Uh, I, okay, so Estelle, if you don't know, she is a R&B artist and she uh, is the voice of Garnet, who is my favorite crystal gem. Best known for uh, the song American Boy featuring Kanye West. You may have heard. It's out in like 2010, I think, was her like big debut. Um, yeah, she does the voice of Garnet. All the gems are dope. They're probably the, the moments that made me laugh the most. There's a moment where... Amethyst is teaching Steven how to shapeshift and it turns into Pearl and keeps like making fun of Pearl and slapping her own ass and going, ma, ma, ma. She just kept doing it um, as Pearl kept trying to talk to Steven about the dangers of, of shapeshifting. 
Stephen, you have to be careful. And then it would cut to, <laughs> to Amethyst slapping her own ass. Mop, mop, mop. I enjoyed all of that. Listen, as a chubby boy, would have loved to have a show as a child starring a chubby boy. Yes. With a kid that looked in, like me. That said, even as a chubby boy, his personality probably would have irritated me. <laughs> I love Stephen. He's such a cutie. I know. And that's, listen, I was a very dour young child. Oh, surprise. <laughs> grew up into a dour man. <laughs> doing dour man. Surprise. So. So uh, I don't know how many I watched because like Adventure Time, it's like broken up into like two segments per show. Yeah. And they're very short. There's two like 11 minute episodes per show. Yeah. So I think I I think I watched the first three episodes, which is actually six episodes. Yeah. And then like the next one had Connie in it. And I remember hearing about Connie. So I wanted to see where, where she showed up. Right. Uh, and I dug Connie because she was the first one who was like, not everything is okay. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, they get locked in this bubble and fly to the, you know, float, sink to the bottom of the ocean. And Stephen is just like, oh, it's okay. And she's like, it's actually not okay. We're at the bottom of the ocean. At the bottom of the ocean, and you don't have a plan. So yeah. it's not okay. And I was just relieved to see somebody in this, you know, pick a yoon, happy, every, happy, happy, everything universe. Yep. World building. Not, sorry, no pun. Universe is actually his name. That somebody would be like, eh, this, that's kind of bullshit right now. And now we can move oh, on. No, no, oh. <laughs> I like. One of the episodes I watched, uh, the cheeseburger backpack episode, yep. where he's like packing a bunch of stuff into his backpack because that's how he thinks he's going to be useful. Basically, the crux of the show is he's always, at least in this early portion, he's trying to learn how to use his gem. He and, has, and figure out what his powers are. His gem is in his navel. He just has this gem in his navel. He looks kind of like a, one of those trolls from the 90s, but without the hair. <laughs> yes. And he's pudgy and he's always kind of like squeezing around it, trying to get it to do something. And... Os- you know, ostensibly, the other gems, Garnet, uh, Pearl, Amethyst, and Amethyst, yeah. are to, supposed to be teaching him how to like learn to use his powers. So they never let him go on their adventures because he doesn't know how to use his powers. But in this episode, he, in an attempt to be useful, orders a cheeseburger backpack, mail order. Right. Because they are trying to transport some statue to some temple. And he says, I can carry it. I'll just put it in my cheeseburger backpack. And he puts numerous things in his cheeseburger backpack as well, including... Some sort of doll that talks, but it's like supposed to, it has an upset stomach. Like that's the gimmick of it. So the first right. time he grabs it, it's like, ah, my stomach. And the second <laughs> time he grabs it, it's like, I have a medical condition. <laughs> and that made me snort on my cereal. I'm not going to lie. So there are these like flashes of brilliance. But at the same time, like I said, there's a lot of baggage that has come up with this show. I don't know what you're talking about. It's called the internet. <laughs> oh, the internet. So, for all intents and purposes, actually for all intents and purposes, this is a show for children. Yes. And because of its zero fucks for things like... Gender norms. Gender norms, you know, making characters look quote-unquote attractive, like, or be white or be hyper-masculine. Like, these are just things that the show is. Right. And when you're in the target demo for this show, i.e., like... I don't know, nine, ten years old, you're not going to care about any of that stuff either. This is just a cool show that you like, and you don't make a big deal out of these things. That right. for the internet, and for Tumblr, and for adult or young adult viewers of this show, is a major deal. And I can appreciate how relieving or how comforting it is for people who are now 17 to 35, who did not have a show like this growing up 
who now feel such an intense attachment to it. However, when you start to search Steven Universe into Google, as I did this afternoon, the third suggestion that comes up is fandom worst. (laughs) Ah, so... Tell me about this worst fandom. Oh, and my brief uh, investigation. And <laughs> my, I'm, I'm, my brief cursory investigation. And I know. I sorry. I know I'm I sound sarcastic. Like I know all about it. But I don't. I, I don't. And I don't either. This it. is just very cursory investigations. Mostly from most of the things I saw from things written by dudes. But basically just sort of there's a bit of viewership policing that goes on with this show. As in like. Granted, this is not the bulk of fandom. You know, the the worst aspects are always the bits that are going to be talked about. So it's the bits that we hear about. Definitely, there's a sense there that there is a portion of the Steven Universe fandom that doesn't think I should be watching this show, even for the purpose of this podcast. Is that true, though? A lot of writing on the Tumblrs and the internets about it. Because this show now is for them. People of color, people of different body types... Like they have now owned this and claimed this for themselves, and a portion of that population gets kind of irate when something does something with this. Sh- you know, somebody does something with this show that they don't approve of. The worst example of this is like a teenager fan artist who like drew a picture of Steven, his dad, and Rose Quartz, like kind of like hugging, super happy, you know, whatever. But some people on Tumblr, Twitter, what have you decided that she drew rose quartz a little too thin which was therefore body shaming is which this a was real therefore thing? this is a real thing you can look this up on the internet i don't understand they came for her so hard she tried to kill herself what <laughs> this is a real thing that happened you can look it up and verify it um that's awful these are fictional characters and this is the thing now granted i had heard this story before I had watched the show. Like I knew of the Steven Universe fandom before I sat down to watch it. So that did, like I said, that colored my perception of it a little bit. Because even though I'm trying to enjoy the, you know, whimsy and you know childish delights of this show, in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, this is that show where those nutsos came for that kid so hard that they. <laughs> oh my god. And if you, and if you cosplay, if you're a white person who cosplays as Amethyst. Yeah. To some people. I can't tell if they're trolls or not. It's as bad as doing blackface. Why do white people always have to cosplay as women of color? She's purple. Yeah. Is she? Amethyst? Oh, yeah, she is purple, I guess. <laughs> I purple. just didn't notice. I'll, I'll I... give you a pass for Garnet. She's clearly based on, like, a black woman. Yeah. I just forgot that she was purple. Sorry. Um, I just, yeah, no, I don't know any uh, anything about this, this fandom. I think this is part of my whole thing where I love being a geek and I love geeky things, but I am not part of like in some ways sort of the geek fandoms. Oh, you're definitely playing it smart on that because sometimes <laughs> it brings out the worst in people. Sometimes. I just kind of like the things I like and I'm not going to tell someone what they've done with the same thing that I've liked that it's wrong, right? The only time I will do that is when it has to do something to do with children mm. um, or something awful. For instance what we talked about earlier with the passes yeah. and that was just awful. Um, you know, call out that kind of BS. But in this case, it is a show for children. I can understand why it means a lot to people. I mean, it is it is actually the only show on the Cartoon Network ever to be created by a woman. Which I read, which seemed mind-boggling to me that 
Yeah. For all the years that Cartoon Network has been producing their own shows, that this was the first one. The, <laughs> like, the first and only one. I was like, so, damn, really? Yeah. I can see why it means a lot to people. Um, it is different in that it shows something that you don't see a lot, which again is the whole the different body types, the different races, the um, seeing different sexes in different ways um, and genders in different ways. Um, now, the sense I get in reading some of these like backgrounders about the toxicity of the occasional toxicity of the fandom is that the show was kind of like left alone until without much fanfare it was revealed and i don't know which two they are but that two of the characters are in a lesbian relationship um it's i'm just gonna tell you because it's actually sure because i'm probably never gonna watch that far fantastic um oh but you should i might make you um (laughs) so garnet you said it yourself 76 episodes i know but they're like you 76 episodes of two each okay make that into half and oh so you're counting that as when you say episodes you mean the, yeah, the 11 so. the 11 minute part not yeah the, i think the full so half hour. i don't right. think it's well, i don't think it's the full half hour well maybe but. but anyways so um garnet is actually they show this thing later on it becomes very important to the series even more so than i could have even imagined like the world this woman has made is sugar's made is just massive mm. like and it's interesting and it it's just so interesting. Um, it's one of the reasons I love the show. Just like uh, Young Justice. And that hasn't steered you wrong, has it? Anyways. <laughs> how, how dare you? <laughs> um, so, uh, again, Garnet is actually made of two gems. I think I saw this. Yes. Just like a random... When Steven Universe memes started infiltrating my Tumblr feed, and I was like, what the F is this? Yeah. I think that was maybe one of the first things. Yeah. So I think so, I've seen this scene before. So Garnet, they have something, and I can't, I, of course now I can't remember what it's called, but when like two gems uh, dance, they merge together. I think it's just called Fusion, isn't it? Fusion, that's like, right. It's, like it's called Ball. Fusion. Um, yeah. It's called Fusion, and Garnet is made of two, uh, one is Ruby and one is Sapphire, and she is made into Garnet. And it's a huge part of the show, and one of the things I love, and the fact that they sort of had, it, it was celebrated, but not sort of made a big deal of on the show that it was two mm-hmm. women. The All the crystal gems are women. Yeah. Um, and the creators talked about this before. Sugar said, you know, this is just something we decided that's how they like to represent themselves. They are shapeshifters, right? So yeah. they can shape themselves into anything they want to be. Um, but they've just chosen this form. It shouldn't be a big deal. Um, so it's more about love than it is about specifically about a lesbian romance. There's not the negative connotations about lesbians like there is in other shows or in society in general. So on this show, this the part about them being uh, two women is not that big of a deal. Um, more of the big thing is there's actually a, a class division between them that um, you find out later in the show. There are classes of gems. Mm. Um, so the class division is actually the big reveal about their relationship and the fact that Garnet is two gems fused together. That is kind of, you know, in the things I was reading this morning, that is cited as the moment where like the older fans said, oh, this is for us. This is now, like... But again, like, the show, so much about St- of Steven Universe is for children and is about just love and um, wanting to be part of the world. Um, Which is what makes all this other nonsense that the, so- the show seems to get saddled on so, like, kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, and, and um, it's a celebration of... 
fantasy in real life, um, which I think is is interesting. And it's um, Sugar's actually called it uh, reverse escapism. I did read that quote today. Yeah, uh, where the characters, instead of you know going off into the mystical lands, these m- mystical magical characters want to be part of real life normalcy um, and quote yeah. unquote normalcy, and which is also fascinating. There's so many parts, so many different things to talk about the show that's really good that the fandom. I feel if you're like me and you're not really on the internet, you know, you're a spectator and you're not really involved. Um, I don't get involved. I've never been uh, part of a online argument in my life because I just don't understand how people can do that. I mean, I have imager stuff I need to look at. I don't have time to be on an online argument. I then I guess it you could it, people are probably if they do get involved in stuff like that or they do get put off by stuff like that, I'm sure that's, that, you know, is off-putting when you have, you're like, oh, wow, these people really love this show. I don't know if I can be part of that community. I could see that. But as a show on its own without the fandom, it's an amazing show. Um, And I think it's more amazing than this, the terrible aspects of this fandom, apparently. I mean, I didn't know about. When it's at a point where like people who work on the show are like, you know what? You can draw whatever you want. Yeah. Like, it's, it's your show as much as anybody's. You can draw whatever you want. And then the reaction to that is members of the fandom going, I can't watch this show now. I just, I feel, I'm shaking with rage whenever I, like, think of this show now. There's an actual quote I read this afternoon. And again, this is probably a 1% drop of the Steven Universe fandom. But they're also the ones that complain the loudest. So. Are, are, and they're definitely not trolls. Who can say for sure? But <laughs> Well, that's always the question, right? Uh, also, and this is where the... Uh, the sort of bizarre unintentional dovetailing of our subjects this week. Uh, Sugar has said in an AMA she did. It that was, yes. One of her inspirations for the show was, was Utena. Yes, I also read that. Um, and I can see that in the way that the sort of, sort of gender is not really as binary with them, mm. uh, with the Crystal Gems and just with the cast in general. Um, there aren't, uh, there aren't, classical gender roles or classic gender roles sort of anyone can do anything kind of thing i really like that um and i yeah i can definitely see the the sort of the influence of utena so i mean if i'm trying to shake out a rating there are there are definite things i liked about it uh it's not as absurd as like adventure time no no um it it there are some times when it gets there, like cat fingers. Um, <laughs> As Steven learns to shapeshift, he tries to tr- turn into a cat, but all he can do is turn his finger into a cat. But then it gets weird, strangely body horror-like by the end of it, yes. where just his entire body is, is made morphing of into cats. Tiny cats. I, a la Tetsuo at the end of Akira. He's just like morphing into this giant ball of cats and his father's trying to spray him down. Yeah. Um, there was a moment where Garnet comes back. Um so he, just here's the plot he's trying to get everybody to eat breakfast together um and everybody's off doing other things and garnet comes back and i love estelle's deadpan delivery she always gives to garnet oh it's fantastic it uh, makes the character for sure where steven's like well i need to i want to have breakfast together and garnet holds up like this elder scroll like you know parchment of something and she's like i have to burn this and steven like whips out his phone and takes a picture of it <laughs> she grabs his phone and is like i have to burn this too <laughs> So I like that it's not as absurd. It is his horrible pun. Uh, of course, it's made by somebody named Sugar because it's just so sweet. Um, oh, bah, that's awful. Bah. Bah. Um, 
And it is. I mean, it's not even the violence, because um, there is violence on the show. They're smashing monsters and whatnot, yeah. um, is done fairly comedically. I do get the sense of the, like, I immediately want to know more about his mom. Yeah. Gross um, quartz. So it does feel like it's leading somewhere, despite, which is a complaint I had about uh, Adventure Time when I tried to watch that, where it's like, I've learned since they have kind of nodded to a larger world there but it but initially when i tried to watch adventure time i was like this isn't going anywhere it's just like putzing around which i mean it's again it's a show for children it's supposed to like putz around kids yeah. just want to spend time with these people they like yeah um what is your problem jordan <laughs> god the problem is you're asking me to watch shows for 10 year <laughs> so but like in general just the general feeling you have right now what would you say your rating your rating is like a six that's pretty good Six kick punches in the sense where like, I'm glad I watched it. It was cool. But my initial thought when I like opened like the episode listing and saw that giant long list is like, oh, I'm never going to finish this. Like, that's, <laughs> it's cool, but I don't know. I'm never like the house of cards just dropped today. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have time. Don't have time to go back to that. But I mean, as someone who loses his mind over uh, a Japanese pop group, I have no ground to stand on and say like, I don't know why people are so like intensely passionate about it. Um, because people are always going to be intensely passionate about what they're intensely passionate about. Every, it's true. Everybody got their something. Um, for a lot of people, this is their something. It's not necessarily mine. Uh, I can certainly appreciate it. And like I said, if I was 10, I'd probably be all in on this show. Right. For nothing other than the fact that, uh, from what I gather, this show has been very successful for Cartoon, Cartoon Network. Yeah, it has been. And it basically means... Uh, as a pudgy kid, I would have a Halloween costume every year that would be considered <laughs> cool on the playground. Like, yeah, you know, it's hard out there for the pudgies. Uh, it's true. It's true. As, as a lifelong pudgy, let me tell you, friends, it's it's not the easiest out there, especially on the playground. So the fact that, you know, you have a show out there where your quote unquote hero is not a ripped army guy or, or Conan or Conan or a, you know, beautiful boy. a la the student council in Utena. Yeah. That he's just kind of like. A pudgy goof is... It's nice. It's nice. It's sweet. So sweet. So, I mean, if you're standing behind it as much as you are, um, and I did have enough questions, I can't say I'm going to get to it anytime soon. Uh, I still have piles of Young Justice to get through and many other shows to watch. It left enough questions that I was interested hearing the answers to. Awesome. That I don't know when... But we'll possibly revisit at some point. Excellent. Ah, that's what I like to hear. That's all I need. That's all I need. You're making better than I am this week. You're I know. Better than I, am I know. Uh, do we have any updates? I don't think so. Uh, I'm still plowing away through Young Justice. I um, haven't. I haven't um, had a chance to watch anything else. I was very, very ill this week. Yes, you were sick. Um, if my boss is listening, no, I'm kidding. I was. <laughs> I was really sick, so I didn't actually get a chance to sit and watch anything else. I started reading the history of Marvel Comics. Oh right, yes, you took that when you left. Last uh, I didn't get very far into it, um, so maybe there'll be more up- updates next week. Um, Definitely not. Updates for Utena, but updates <laughs> next week. Uh, Young Justice is still pretty good. On that note, there has been some tweeting happening. Yes, the voices of... Dem- who's McKellar? Uh, Miss Martian? Probably. <laughs> Danica? Danica? Danica McKellar. That, yeah, Miss Martian. And I don't remember your name, sir. I'm sorry. The voice of Wally West. Both came out and said that 
We already kind of mentioned this when we talked about Young Justice initially, but they were kind of hammering it home this week. This was on March 3rd, I think I saw the story. So when you're listening to this, you can still do your part that um, Netflix is really paying attention to the binge numbers yeah. of Young Justice this week. So if you need something to binge or to you know waste time to distract you from doing your essay, uh, then this would be the show to, to do it to. Check out some Young Justice because... If Kayla McKinnon gets news of a third season of Young Justice, I will be the happiest, and I will. won't. I won't even bug you guys to talk to me on Facebook. I will be too busy being happy. <laughs> that will be everything she said about talking to you on Facebook. Just throw that out the window. She's not. She's not talking to you till she gets till she gets through it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that's just about going to do it for us again this week. As I said at the top, uh, our Tumblr is geekdownpod.tumblr.com. Our email. If you want to suggest things to us, uh, we actually had a suggestion this week to watch Steven Universe, so that worked out well, uh, is geekdownpod at gmail.com. Uh, we've been getting suggestions from people, which is nice. It's very nice. Shouts to uh, shouts to Raven, shouts to uh, young Joycey Vogues, who is like the show's number one fan, and every time anything goes up, she's like super amped about it and sends me a flurry of text messages. So. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for that. If you want to yell at me which I'm sure somebody will now, uh, <laughs> deign to speak ill of the Steven Universe fandom, uh, you can do that at Jordan underscore Ferguson. If you would like to yell at Caitlin for anything... You can't, because I'm not on the internet. And I don't get into internet arguments. She's a genius and has no presence. Although, hey, yell at her on the Facebook group. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can get at me there. <laughs> get some action over there. Um, yes, and the face uh, the Facebook group is facebook.com slash geekdownpod. The show Twitter is at geekdownpod. So please follow us on there as well, or rate and review us on iTunes and all that fun stuff as well. That is going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening to us and our little banter-filled... Hour. Hour. We, we really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. And uh, yeah, we will see you back here again for another fantastic episode of Geek Down next week. Yeah, thank you so much. See you next week. that for half an hour <laughs> only they knew how much we actually sing the theme song yeah into our microphones